Let's do that hockey. You're listening to the Dauber Prospects Podcast. This is episode 91, and I'm your host, Peter Harling. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm happy to be back on this episode with uh, another scout. And this episode, our guest is none other than Kiana Scott, who you may know as famously the first female scout in the OHL. So I am very honored to be able to welcome Kiana to the podcast today. Welcome, Kiana. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Um, it is our pleasure for sure. I'm always interested to talk to people about uh, scouting. And one of the more uh, widely downloaded episodes that I've been able to put out so far is the So You Want to Be a Scout episode. Um, so a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are obviously interested in fantasy hockey and are clearly interested in prospects. But I think there's a pretty wide market of people who listen to this show that are interested in scouting hockey as well. Hobby scouts or scouting for their fantasy league or aspiring scouts like yourself, the people who are chasing the dream of, of having a career in the hockey industry. And um, you're kind of a, a role model for that now. <laughs> yeah, so tell me a little bit about um, your background and what got you into hockey to begin with. So I started playing hockey when I was about eight years old. My brother started playing and I watched in the stands for one year and I said, Mom, I want to be just like my brother. I played in various leagues. Um, I played with the BMHA, which is a boys league. I played women's hockey. I played varsity. Um, I have a true passion for hockey. Then I started interning for an OHL team as a games day intern. That's how I kind of got in the field. And I started volunteering my time at showcases and scouting there. Um, when I look back on it, I used to actually scout at my brother's rep games when I was little, but I never knew it was scouting <laughs> at the time. Um, and then after that, I knew I really wanted to do something in hockey, but I didn't know what. I went into taking a GM and scouting course with Sports Management Worldwide, which is an online course. And then I went into doing um, an ISS mentorship program for two years, and that's how I kind of got into it. Right on. Tell me about your experience with, with ISS. Is that how you got credentials to travel around to all the different games? Yes, it was. I took their mentorship, so it's kind of like an internship. Um, so we get access to RinkNet, which is what scouts use to have schedules. And since we're an international company, it's all around the world. So I was able to have access to all the schedules. Even when I was actually on vacation, I would even go to games. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's how we also program all of our reports. So that's what really helped me to be where I am today is getting all the report um, experience writing reports, um, constantly trying to improve the way I write, and also going out to games. That's how I would go out to games using RinkNet. So that really helped me. We had some video calls um, on how to use the software and different tournament tips. And then sometimes we would have calls with um, people from the industry to hear their stories as well. 
So I've never used RinkNet, but I'm I'm pretty familiar with the concept of it. But I'm betting a lot of people who listen to the show um, aren't too familiar with that. So could you just kind of explain what that is? So RinkNet is, I guess, the scouting software that we use. So it has all of our schedules. We can program what games we go to. It lists all the times, different hotels nearby. It basically programs all of our schedules, um, different arenas. Um, you can basically search up any game in the entire world to go see. Even if you can't, you can also use that to um, locate other games, maybe on like hockey, hockey tech. You can do it that way too and also watch videos. Um, and then RinkNet also allows you to program our reports in our tournament reports, which are also different. So how we do reports, it um, you weigh in on skating, stick handling, hockey sense, um, compete levels. It gives you basically everything to fill out what their candidates for, um, their positions, their assets, things they need to improve on, and then comment section for your overall comments on how they perform that game. That's as best as I can describe RinkNet, I'd say. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, so from an early age, you were really interested in hockey. You started playing hockey. You were taking notes, watching your, is it your older brother? Actually, he's my younger brother, only by year, one year, though. Okay, so watching your brother, so uh, you've got this passion for hockey, and you realize that you need to channel that into something you don't know what. So you take a sports management course, and you sign up for the internship at ISS. So at this point in your life, you're just basically traveling around to a lot of rinks, watching a lot of hockey. Um, what kind? What level of hockey were you watching? Are you watching OHL hockey or um, Junior we A? Or with ISS, for their first year in mentorship program, they like to um, let you just focus on the younger kids for the OHL draft. So major bantam and then minor midget, which is the draft year. And then you can also watch major midget. Um, I did dabble in, in watching junior A, junior C, just because I wanted to see what the calibers were in different levels of hockey. I did watch a QMJHL game. Um, I did watch OJ games, um, to see the different, the different levels, but you mo I mostly focused on, uh, minor midget for the draft. And how long did you, uh, internship with them before, uh, Erie recruited you? Two years. Okay. And you were just hired by the Erie Otters, uh, this year, just near the end of the season there in, in March. Uh, tell me how, how, how they noticed you and, and how you got recruited by them and how it come to be that you're a scout for the Uri Otters now. Um, actually, they, they scouted me out. I was doing one of my weekend trips. I had three different um, games, three different arenas. So I was traveling all over Toronto that day. And they saw me at Scotiabank Pond. And then they saw me at the next rink. And then they saw me at my last rink in Richmond Hill. And I guess they kept noticing me. It was like, you know, who's this girl? Um, you know, she's always at the rinks. Like, who does she work for? Like, is she a scout? Like, they didn't have, 
they didn't really know who I was or what I was doing there. They just always saw me working hard. Um, and then Scott Grieve, he reached out to me and uh, took interest on, in getting to, you know, know me and know my background. And, you know, they took time to look at my reports and interview me. And um, everything just worked out. It was a perfect fit with Erie. And I'm very, very happy to be with them. Um, that's how it kind of all came about. They just noticed me always at the rinks and working hard and they wanted to take a chance on me. All right. And so people can listen to this podcast from all over the world. So there, there might be some people who aren't particularly familiar with how junior hockey and minor league and whatnot works in Canada. So the OHL is, um, major junior hockey and, Kids in, in the OHL, which is the team that you work for, the Erie Otters, they're age basically 16 through 20. So right in the middle of their OHL career is when they become eligible for um, NHL teams to draft them. So you're scouting for players that are are going to be coming into this league to play for the Erie Otters. So you, what leagues are you are you watching right now? How old are the kids? Like how young do you do you go? And what is your your region like? How far do you have to to travel? And do you have overnights and all that fun stuff? Um, so they actually hired me as a bantam scout. So I scout major bantam for the minor midget year. So minor midget is their draft year to be going into the OHL. So I'm scouting one year younger, so our scouts have more of an advantage and they're not going into the season in the dark kind of thing. Um, so you kind of have to project a lot in Bantam because you're trying to see if, um, if they will develop um, for their uh, midget year and also will they be able to be in the OHL one day. You kind of have to project um, that. Working for the Otters now, I will be doing a lot more traveling. Um, with ISS, I travel just in my region. I live in Ontario, so I most Toronto, um, surrounding areas. The farthest tournaments I've gone to is probably London or Whitby. Um, I'd imagine I'm probably going to go to the state tournaments as well with Erie. Um, so I'll probably be doing a lot more traveling. Um, definitely overnight trips. I did do overnight trips when I worked with ISS, um, but this time I'll be in a hotel instead of crashing on my friend's uh, friend's couch in Toronto. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd always be traveling and um, past Toronto, but I wouldn't be able to afford a, like a hotel, so I'd be traveling all the way from Barrie, like past Toronto. So my friends would let me crash on their couch for the weekend, and I'd just be traveling from Toronto to Whitby, back to, back home to Toronto and, you know, doing it that way. But this time when I'm with a team, then I'll be able to, to just stay in a hotel, thankfully. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the challenges about that kind of lifestyle, trying to, to work your way into the industry. Um, there's no money. No one pays you to do this. And if they do, it's, it's, it's not enough to live on. So you got a day job for the most part. Um, travel expenses are, are usually on your own dime meals and gas and car and insurance and hotels. If you, if you pay for them. So what were some of the, the more difficult challenges that you've been dealing with that you'll, now that you're affiliated with the team and, and you'll have some sort of expense report, what are some of the, the challenges that you're, you're happy to not have to deal with anymore? <laughs> 
Um, definitely, you are right. Um, I did a lot of volunteering, interning. Um, I didn't get paid for a very, very long time. It was expense out of my pocket. So um, both years I worked with ISS, I had to work two jobs just to you know live this dream out as a scout. Because, yes, I had to pay for gas, I had to pay for insurance, I had to pay for, you know, food on the road, tournaments, um, all that that fun stuff. Um, working two jobs, it was very hard to have a life and also do hockey at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make as a scout. For me, it was definitely all worth it. I... I feel like I'm not even working because I love scouting so much, but there's definitely nights where, you know, I'd be working all day and then going to a, a game at night in Toronto and only getting back at one thirty in the morning. I didn't see my friends a lot or my family. Sometimes I would be at tournaments and they just say, Hey, Kiana, like, you know, do you have a, an hour between games? Do you want to go grab lunch or something? Like that's how I was connecting with my friends or even my parents would come and watch games just to see me because they didn't see much of me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can relate to all that. Um, yeah. Okay, so you've overcome all of those challenges and your hard work and dedication to the sport is something that, that got you noticed. Um it's difficult to to break into the industry when you don't when you didn't play in the NHL. Um, so you've overcome that challenge, um, but you've had some other challenges that you've had to overcome as well, which really make you a pioneer, the first woman uh, scout for the OHL, um, and then of course you're a person of color too. So did you have some some challenges with with that to overcome that um, that you, you want to talk about? For sure. Um, growing up playing hockey um, in on boys teams, I was the only girl on the team and I was usually only um, the only African-American on the team as well. Um, so, I, of course, I've gotten comments and, you know, comments over the years. And also when I'm a scout, like people are like, oh, you don't look like a scout. Like I've gotten that comment all the time or People tell me it's not a realistic job. When I was trying to get into the industry, it's not realistic. Um, I was treated differently um, than other scouts sometimes. Lots of things that I've had to overcome being young, um, being female. Not a lot of people wanted to take that chance on me, weren't taking me seriously. But I just kind of had to brush that kind of stuff off and... It ended up working out, and I've honestly had a lot of positive things that a lot of positive support from the hockey community. As much as I've gotten some bad comments, I've gotten some really positive um, support. So I have to be thankful for that part for sure. Awesome. Well, I really love the fact that um, that you're making this happen, and I encourage you to pay no attention to the the people that. Um, that want to discourage you from continuing or, or say that, what does a scout even look like? Yeah. Like, that's a ridiculous question, right? <laughs> a scout looks like someone who's at a hockey game taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So who are some people that have kind of mentored you along in the business and, and helped um, 
and helped you succeed? There's been quite a, quite a few. Um, my coach growing up, actually, we're really close. Um, he's like a second dad to me. He really um, encourages me, supports me. Um, he's a real hockey fanatic, so he really pushed me to where I am and also helped me in the field. Um, Mark Seidel. Uh, it's funny because I was at a tournament one time and he kept seeing me scouting around the ranks and he just ended up reaching out to me on Twitter and said, hey, like, I see you're really working hard and I love seeing you out at the rinks. Um, if I could ever be helped to you, like, let me know. And we ended up chatting and he really took the time to just tell me about the industry and how to get further ahead. And um, he really helped me out. I'm very thankful that I met him. And um, yeah, I'd probably say those two were the best. My parents were really supportive as well. But when it comes to the field, I didn't have a lot of uh, mentors along my way. But um, now I do have a lot of people that have been supporting me and also like trying to gain more connections and um, also offering their help to like my own teammates at the Otters, they've all reached out to me if I have any other questions or if they, you know, can help me in any other way for my scouting, then then they'll be right next to me. So that's that's probably it. Okay. And now you're uh, an em employed by an OHL team, the Erie Otters. So they hired you in early March. Did you have a chance to do any scouting before COVID came in and wiped out hockey? Unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah. That must be so frustrating. You work for years towards your dream goal and you make a major milestone achievement and you must just want to dive in. This must just really stoke the, the, the fire of passion for watching and scouting hockey and now you can't. And it's yeah, not even the it season. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, life can be fun. Um, okay, so you haven't had a chance to do any any scouting necessarily for the Erie Otters yet as, uh, as a scouting assignment, but uh, there was the OHL draft that happened about a month after you were uh, recruited. Um, tell me about what the experience is like being a scout on a team that actually participates in a draft because I've only participated in fantasy drafts. I've witnessed some drafts, OHL and NHL drafts, but I've never actually been involved in a hockey draft. And that just must have been uh, a real thrill. It was, um, it was a dream to me. I've always pictured draft day. Um, it's like scouts, like best day of the year because that's what we work um, hard all season for. Leading up to the draft, we had meetings, and I found that the most fascinating to hear their opinions about certain players that I've watched for two years and how they um, correlate with my opinions. Um, so we did that, and then draft day, it was really interesting. We were all actually on Zoom because of um, the pandemic, so I couldn't actually be in Erie with my team, but we were on the Zoom meeting all together, and um, they're all really great, so I'm really happy that I'm with a great team like that. They all seem really close. And the way um, the lists, the way we make lists and um, 
the way we pick players, like the whole draft process online, like I saw behind the scenes, which was very different for me, all new. That was really interesting. I can't wait to be in person next year um, to see it all transform in front of my eyes. Uh, without giving away any trade secrets, is there anything that you can share about what that was like? making draft lists and how the conversations about players went debates this guy's good no he's not yes he is no he's not that kind of stuff um i think every scout has a different opinion they seem to all like come to a conclusion there was only a couple players that we were unsure of with different opinions but it all came to a good result and we picked some really great players this year and I'm, we're really happy about it. All right. Let's talk about um, scouting. Um, one of the questions that I, I always like to ask scouts or people who are very good at identifying prospects is how do you identify hockey sense? And we always read and hear about how hockey IQ is so important, especially in the NHL these days. And you got to have fast feet and you got to have fast hands but it's just as important to be able to think and process the game at the pace that the nhl level is played at what are some tells or tricks that you look for when you're watching a player and it might be really difficult when you're watching what 14 13 14 year olds mm-hmm. um how to identify a hockey sense um or perhaps maybe it's just a lot easier at that age group to to spot who has it and who doesn't because it's just not as good hockey generally as as you get higher up and everyone at the NHL level has it. Um, I I imagine not all the kids that you watch have it. So what are some things that you look for? I feel like every scout um, thinks of hockey sense in a different way. Um, For hockey sense, I feel like it's something you either have or you don't have. It's quick thinking. Um, I evaluate it based on a bunch of different things. Um, sometimes how they react to certain plays, um, you know, do they have their head on a swivel? Are they looking around? Do they already know what passes are going to be made? Um, can they predict what their opponents are going to do? Um, are they able to set up, you know, plays that are unique that they're not going to, the other team's not going to expect? Stuff like that. Okay. Do you think that... Um... What kind of level of of hockey sense do you see at the level you watch? And these are young, young kids. Um, And then you watch OHL hockey as well, of course. So how big of a a gap is there? I think there's a huge gap. Um, The players that I'm watching are really young. So it's hard to kind of see if they have more simpler minds, I feel like. Some some hockey sense at the OHL level, like it seems like everyone just has some kind of hockey sense, if not elite, but it's easy to detect whether they have average hockey sense or elite hockey sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does to me anyways. Um, Let's talk about skating. Um, Skating is, I think one of the most important, skill sets in order to be successful at the NHL level. Um, How big of a disparity is there at the age group you're watching and and 
when it comes to skating stride, what are some of the things that you put value on and, and what do you look for in skating? I feel like the game is always getting faster. So skating is definitely a, um, something that I look for hockey sense, compete and um, skating long strides, uh, quick transitions, good edges, all that kind of stuff into detail of their skating at the age group. I'm um, scouting. Uh, I look for how they move like with their transitions from backwards to forward skating to backward skating, um, their edges, their crossovers, stuff like that. They don't seem to be very intricate at that level yet. Okay. Um, is there anything that you that you look for? You think that's going to be something that is going to translate to a higher level? Definitely how quick they move, like the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, what about puck skills? Uh, there's all kinds of um, things that fall under the, the umbrella of puck skills, like shot accuracy, shot release, um, puck protection, giving a pass, receiving a pass. Um, what are some of the more important puck skills that you look for when you're scouting players? Definitely depends on the position. Right. Um, but in general, someone that has quick hands also... Um, eye-hand coordination, if they can stick handle with their head up still and they just know what they're doing. Um, Accuracy for shot is definitely important. Power behind the shot is important. Um, Passes, setting up plays, all that stuff. Yeah, I'd say that. All right. Uh, One of the listeners of the podcast um, asked me to ask you a question. He thinks that um, going on the assumption that goalies are voodoo, um, and by that I think he means difficult to scout, which I also have difficulty scouting goalies, especially at this young of an age. Mm -hmm. Um, He's wondering, is it better to use uh, to draft goalies in later rounds as a gamble as opposed to picking them early? And I guess my follow-up question to that would be, um, if you're any good at scouting goalies, what kind of tips do you use for, what do you look for when you look at goalies? Um, I'm just going to be honest. I don't have a lot of experience scouting goalies. I've only scouted really one goalie and made a report about him. I just focused on the little details, um, whether he's more of a butterfly goalie, um, how he reacts to certain situations, that kind of stuff. I don't really have any true tips on scouting goalies or what we really look for. Me neither. It's a mystery to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So sorry, Chris Nova, but um, I'm not much up there. Um, Let's Okay, What kind of tips do you have for anyone who, I I don't know if you participate in fantasy hockey. I I don't think you, you mentioned that you're not a big fantasy person, but for the people who are, hobby scouts um who just like to watch junior and think oh that's a guy i want to have on my team what are some traits you would recommend when you're watching junior or college hockey in young players maybe before they're drafted or shortly after they're drafted what are some of the more important skill sets you think that will carry players to be successful at the nhl 
successful at the NHL. I love watching junior plays. Um, OHL, the OJM, when I went to go see one of the Ontario Junior Hockey League games, I was really impressed by how fast they play. Um, you want something speedy if you're wanting to become an NHL player. Speed, hockey sense, um, stick handling, I feel like is pretty important in the NHL. You see all of them with the fancy moves and um, different plays in a hard shot because um, it's hard to score at the NHL level. So I feel like um, shot accuracy and and the strength behind a shot would be probably a good thing to have in a player if you're looking for a fantasy draft. When you're at a game and you're watching the warm-ups, um, sometimes the players will just kind of pull off to the side a little bit. They'll grab one of the pucks and will start doing some stick handling or some juggling and that kind of fun stuff do you pay attention to that do you factor that into the wow look how skilled this guy is with the puck even though it's not in a game setting or environment right it, there's no no one forechecking him or, or slashing him or anything like that he's not skating he's not moving he's just standing still playing juggling the puck but is that something that you ever take notice of or does or you just kind of dismiss it as well everyone can do that these days um i watch them when they get on the ice all throughout their warm-up we even I would love to watch even practices and how they react in practices, to be honest. Um, the way they warm up, like, are they giving it their all? Like, even when they're skating back to the bench, like, are they hustling? I look at all that kind of stuff, like, really small details about how their character is on the ice. Like, are they slamming their stick? Are they, you know, reacting? Are they fighting? all that kind of stuff plays a huge part in scouting too. Um, so you're always kind of being watched to always perform well and, and be your best on and off the ice too. That's interesting. And that's one of the things that I really like about live scouting and going to games and I, I, I don't scout, but going to games and watching prospects. Um, you can't, you don't see that stuff on TV and you can't isolate a player. You can't watch what their reaction is when they get to the bench. Um, I, I like doing that. I like watching what their interaction with their teammates is like. Do they are they liked by their teammates? I think I think that's important. Um, can you speak a little bit about the emphasis that teams put on character? Is how important is that? Character is very very important. Um, I know they look into how are you in school, your grades, how you communicate with your teammates. Um, they look into like parents and, um, how you're respected from your coach, all that kind of stuff. They look really in depth in character because you want someone that's coachable as well. If they don't have that certain skill or they, um, need to improve in a certain skill, at least we can coach them. You want a kid that's coachable. Um, how do you determine that? Um, what kind of interview questions? I guess you talk to coaches. What kind of questions do you ask the coaches? What is involved in the process of determining a player's character? I've never been a part of any interviews yet. I'm sure I will be in the future with my team, but I'm assuming that they ask them about certain situation kind of questions like, um, you know, has he ever had like disputes on the team before with another teammate or um, how does he 
in school or like how does he take losses does he take losses well um does he is he motivated um does he do tr extra trainings on the side and probably psych like probably a lot of questions um that you wouldn't normally ask but play on your mind like a lot of mind questions right on um okay so tell me uh if you wouldn't mind indulging me what are some of your uh more memorable experiences um scouting hockey definitely the draft um i felt like i was i felt like i knew the kids almost because i watched them over the past two years so i was actually really proud of that they got drafted into the ohl that's a very proud moment for me getting hired with the erie otters um every single time i go scouting is a memorable moment for me um I think a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, that listen to this show um, would be inspired by your story and are chasing a very similar dream. They might be working as an intern with ISS. They might be writing for an outlet like Dauber, um, hoping that they can make it in the industry in some capacity as a writer, as a scout, as a coach, as a manager, whatever. Um, what kind of tips do you have for people that are that are chasing the dream? I would say just keep hustling, keep showing up at the ranks. That's how they notice you. A lot of people often go to video scouting. Um, I say I'm more of like an in-person scouter. I'm going to try to um, work on my video scouting skills, but I was always at the rink, so that's how they kind of noticed me. And I give that tip to other scouts that have asked me, like always show up to the ranks because that's how you're noticed. And that's how much experience you get too. The more you're at the rinks, the more experience you get from um, just writing different reports, too. But just say keep hustling and keep trying to live out that dream. Um, I did an episode with uh, Steve Cornianis yesterday, and one of the listener questions was, when you're watching hockey, it's such a fast game. Do you take notes on the fly as the play is happening? Or do you wait until the game's over and then, while it's all still fresh in your mind, um, write a summary on the players that you watched? Um, uh, Steve and I both answered the question, and our answer was was a little bit of both. Um, tell me a little bit about your note-taking process when you're watching live hockey. That's a good question. Um, how I set up my notepad, actually, um, I record all the goals. Um, I have the score between each period. I usually set up um, my notepad for the starting lineups, who's on the starting lineups, who's on the power play and power kills, game details, and then I'll also have notes on specific players. And then at the end of the game, I'll usually write like a little summary to keep it all in my head. <laughs> when you go to games, do you have specific two or three specific players that you're focusing on or are you just taking it all in with with um when i worked for iss we did have priority players that we had to make reports on but i kind of watched everyone because you never know when you're going to find like a diamond in the rough okay and did you take notes on the fly or did you kind of like 
just watch the game and then it was over uh do the majority of the the writing afterwards pretty much on the fly yeah yeah me too um and you also mentioned just a minute ago as well um video scouting um it seems particularly relevant right now since there is no live hockey to watch um you said you don't have a lot of experience video scouting and i i prefer live as well um what are some tips you have for video scouting if you have any i've never really video scouted only like a couple times um for teams that i that were really far from me but i don't really have any specific tips for those it's hard to see like the pace of the game the speed it's hard to see the jerseys i don't really like video scouting that much <laughs> i suppose and i suppose as well with the level of hockey that you're watching um you know major b and whatnot what kind of what kind of video do you have the access to i mean most of the people that do video scouting are watching ncaa or pro hockey in europe or chl hockey and there's a lot of like these are televised broadcast games no one broadcasts major junior junior b games um so i'm not even sure where you would get video feeds from those leagues there's a few uh, major midget and minor midget games on hockey TV. I know that, but they're very rare. Yeah. They're very rare. All right. Um, so a couple of the takeaways I've, I've picked up from our conversation is um, the, the last question, one of the last questions I asked you on tips on, on being a scout, you said to, uh, to do the work. Um, I've noticed that as well, that the people who are successful in the industry are the people who are seen at the ranks. And in the online community, in terms of blogging and, and writing, and um, I don't like to call us scouts because we don't work for a team, so we're not really scouts. Um, but the people who who get respect from the people that matter are the people that who are seen in the rinks who are out putting in the work and, and doing the time and not just sitting at home. I appreciate how it's difficult if you live in a city that that's not close. Um, you know, I live in Kingston, so I've got a lot of, a lot of hockey within a short drive. I got an OHL team in my city, Ottawa, Peterborough, Oshawa, all within a day trips drive. I've got an AHL team in Belleville. That's even closer than that. Um, so I've got a lot of opportunity to watch hockey in, in my part of the world, but I can appreciate how it's difficult if you live somewhere that that's not like Sudbury. Um, and then the other thing you, you mentioned is, um, and not really specifically directly, but it's something that I picked up that the people who matter are always, always watching. And I think uh, there's a lesson to be learned from what happened to Brendan Leipzig this week that... The, the hockey community and the blogging world, um, there's there's people who are really, really generous and nice, like Craig Button, come to the top of my mind on that list. Yeah. And it's a really great industry, but there's a lot of people who are not so great. And I think that it's not a coincidence that the people who are not so great and the people who are great are the ones that are on the inside and the outside of the hockey community. Um, mm -hmm. so always be gracious, always be courteous and always be respectful. Um, because even if you want to be a 
player or a scout or just work for a team, um, you said that character is is really important, and uh, and I think that translates to all levels of hockey. Um, so I think that's an important takeaway that that I picked up from our conversation as well. Uh, Ken Scott, if you didn't know about her now, now you do. She's a great story. She's just recently been hired by the Erie Otters. She's the first female scout in the OHL. Congrats again. Um, I recommend giving her a follow. You can catch her on Twitter at Scott6Kiana, K-I-A-N-A. And then she's got an Instagram account you can follow as well, Kiana underscore Scott K6. Um, Kiana, thanks so much for your time. This, is, this has been a really um, interesting conversation, and I've really enjoyed it, and I've learned a lot about scouting. Yes, thank you for having me on, Peter. All right. Um, hopefully I'll see you in the ring sometime. I don't, I don't get out to Barry too, too much, and I bet you don't get out to Kingston too much, but maybe one day our paths will cross in the rink. Yes, for sure. All right. Thanks. So that was my interview with Erie Otter's newest scout, uh, Kiana Scott. I want to thank Kiana for coming on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's uh, kind of a follow-up, so you want to be a scout as a, a kind of a glimpse into the life of what it's like to... Try to start a career in the hockey community as a scout. It's a dream that I think a lot of people who listen to this show all kind of have in common and and share. Uh, So hopefully you found that uh, insightful and inspiring. I know that her story is, is, I find it really inspiring and and motivating and it uh, helps light the fire for trying to make it in the industry of hockey, which is a tough nut to crack. Uh, it's, It's very difficult. It's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work, not a lot of money, but you do it for the passion and the love of the game, and that's exactly what Kian has done. So I'm really proud of, of her and happy for her and support her and everyone else who's in similar situation that's chasing their dream. Uh, don't give up, and hopefully we'll be talking to you on the podcast sometime soon. Thanks for listening, and if you like the show, give us a share five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show, and you can follow myself, Uh, at P Harling, H-A-R-L-I-N-G, at Farling, or the podcast is DPR underscore show. We'll see you on the next episode.